Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kanturi and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello everyone. Today I have uh, Cassandra with me and she's known to everybody as Dr. Cassandra. She's not a doctor by degree, but people gave her the doctor. She likes playing in her dear words like why she got that name. But yeah, she is Cassandra here. She has done over 50 live presentations in always general th- journal 365 and when women heal facebook groups she also launched her first public speaking prank the tilted fedora trainer she has a hat on her she'll explain a little bit more on what that is exactly she is also a certified john maxwell presenter and teaches communication and leaderships kay lives in duncanville texas and she is a mother of four and waiting for her grandchildren <laughs> welcome to the show cassandra thank you for being here <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Smitha. I am so excited and happy to be with you this afternoon or this morning, whatever time this airs. But today, I'm really happy and excited and and grateful to be with you today. Thank you. Yes, please go ahead and explain us your journey and why you picked up helping other people and what is that story behind the hat <laughs> and what is the story behind you getting a title as a doctor. Yeah, please go ahead. Um, I've had I'm 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 really enjoying my journey now and I've enjoyed it at different points. Um the significant turning points in the journey is getting the name Dr. K. I was part of an online virtual prayer group. It was a group of women um that would be anywhere from 12 to 30 of us on any given morning praying together at 4 a.m. my time, 5 a.m. their time, but we prayed every morning, Monday through Friday, holidays included, for 15 months. Mm-hmm. When I first was invited to the group and started going, I was very, very quiet. They didn't know how talkative I was until I started talking. But the first day that I felt compelled to share and to join in the discussion, uh the person who started the group she just said oh you've got so much good information from now on i'm calling you doctor you are dr k from now on <laughs> and the next day she called me dr k the day after she was making a comment and she said dr k tell us what you think about that and then other people started saying dr k and it just caught on so from that day until now and that's been about i think it's been 3 years I think I came into that group in late 2017, 2018. So it's been close to 3 years that they have all and it's now a group of 700 women and that's the Win Women Heal Facebook group. It's over 700 people in that group, men and women, and all of them refer to me as Dr. K. Amazing. Apart so, from praying, what exactly do you do with that group? What is the importance or significance of that group? In that group during that morning we we prayed, we trained each other. every woman who had any kind of specialty was invited to actually come and teach that specialty to the group mm-hmm. so we had a woman who did finances and for 2 weeks she talked to us about our finances because our faith faith envelops or encompasses every area of our lives mm-hmm. so if you have faith faith is going to speak to your finances faith is going to speak to your relationships faith is going to speak to your work ethic faith speaks to every part of your life if there's an area where your faith doesn't speak then you don't have faith in that area hmm. so your faith ought to be the, the the and if someone is questioning what i mean by faith consider faith to be the assimilation of the creeds or the 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 laws by which you govern your life hmm. 
So faith affects every area of our lives. So in that group, every woman who had a specialty in every area taught on that on that specialty. So we had a woman teach on finance, as I said. Another woman speak on marriage relationships. Another woman speak on being single. Hmm. Another woman, it was whatever we could think of. I, for a while there, I led a study on the names of God. Hmm. And we just looked at all of the, and we looked at the Hebrew names of God, all of the Hebrew names of God from the Hebrew Bible and what those names meant and how to incorporate God as that identity in our lives. Hmm. So it, it was very, very far reaching. Some days we got on and it was just, this is a time of prayer and everybody would lead in prayer. Other days, somebody might say, I'm struggling in this area and I need help. So all of us who had experienced that or had ideas about that, we would pour into that person's life. Hmm. So here, yeah, with your knowledge, with your way of teaching to others, I believe you are a single parent. So what was your journey like a single parent and what is that insights or any help that you can provide around that area? Wow, great question. And yes, I had the I had the distinct pleasure of being a single mom, a married mom and a single mom again. Distinct pleasure. So, I'd like that. Distinct <laughs> pleasure. As a single mom, I had one son my senior year in college. That son is now a pilot with Cathay Pacific Airlines. Amazing. I met my ex-husband and he brought my other son. I have my, I have three sons that I call the sons of my womb and the other one who is the son of my heart. The son of my heart is the one that my husband brought to our marriage. And he is married, still not giving me grandkids, but, but he's married <laughs> and he works as a, um, as a heating ventilation uh, contractor. He has his own business. Hmm. And then together, my husband and I had two more sons. So I'm the parent, I'm the mother of four adult sons. And the two younger sons are 27 and 25. One is a mechanical engineer, the other's in the Navy. Hmm. So I, I am a proud mom of four sons. Amazing. Still wants to be a grandmother, just in case one of them catches this podcast. <laughs> I want to I keep spending that money. No, from the time we both were talking, you're always like on, on point, like, yes, I need grandchildren. But on the single parenting tip, the first message I want to give to people is that they can do it. They, they can. It is possible. Reach out and get help, get information, get wisdom above all things. One of the things I did with each of my children was I prayed because I pray and ask, how do I raise this particular son? Hmm. What is it that I need to know about his character, about his person? Because they, they come. People say babies come as blank sheets they don't necessarily come blank. They come with a personality. Yes. They, come, they, they come with gifts. They come with abilities. Our job is to shape what's already in there as well as add more to it. So our job as parents is to examine our children, watch our children, get to know our children as the individuals that they are, and yes. then put in as much good as we possibly can while tearing down as much bad that's coming in from all the other sources. 100%. So, as a single mom, I was, I was um, you could call me somewhat of an eagle, somewhat of a helicopter. I stayed intensely involved in their lives, uh, but I also required that they grow up. I required that they do things on their own. They had, by the time they were 10, and I told them up until they were 10, I coddled them. They were my babies. I got up, I made breakfast, I did their laundry, I cleaned up after them on their 10th birthday. And they were told at nine, that that was their last year of easy living. <laughs> <laughs> I like come, easy living. Come, you're in, 
everything changes. At year 10, they learn to do dishes. They learn to wash and, wash and dry their own clothes and fold them and put them away. They learn to cook. They learn to clean. Nice. They, and it was expected that at the age of 10, they would begin to care for themselves. Hmm. And I still cooked dinner. But if I didn't feel like cooking breakfast, they knew how to go in and fix a bowl of oatmeal or fry some eggs or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I said, you will not starve because you don't have a girl in your life. You will know how to do these basic things that any adult has to do. How important do you think that these things are necessary for us to teach to, at least to say, a boy kid? They are extremely important. They are extremely, they, when a child learns to do something, it bolsters their self-esteem and their value of themselves. Yes. When they know that they, they have skills and abilities that they can bring to the table, then that gives them a sense of dignity. They were born with gifts and talents. They were born with abilities. Our jobs as parents are to discover those and to draw them out of them. And sometimes we have to make the demand. <laughs> we have to discipline when it doesn't show up and we do, they, they got disciplined. Mm. Um, but every time they succeeded at doing something, we celebrate it. Yes. It's like, wow, you got your room clean. You made your bed. I, I took that same, you know, when you, you have children, right? Yes, I have okay. one son. You have one son. You remember potty training that son, right? Yes. Remember how we celebrated the first time they went on their <laughs> own? We did the dance, we sang, we shouted, everybody in the house knew. I it's have to be honest, that my son did not really needed it training. He was a natural at it. Oh, well, you got lucky. I never really <laughs> trained him as such, like, yeah, he has to come out of a diaper. He has to, like, go on these timings or any of it. I used <laughs> to take him out at the regular intervals from the time of birth, I guess. He got used to it. And after that, he's like, yeah, he's a natural. I never really taught him as such a potty training, so-called. You're lucky. <laughs> You're yes, lucky. I heard that many times, yes. <laughs> the rest of us had to clean up puddles of water. <laughs> so, true. <Piles> of stuff. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, but to go back to my point, it's, it's bad that parents stop celebrating after the child. Once they're potty trained, we stop celebrating their accomplishments. And then we wonder why their accomplishments become less fewer and fewer. When what we ought to do is every time they do something good, celebrate it. Yes. Celebrate it. Tell them they have just grown. They have just added to their arsenal for life, to the tools that they can use to make them successful. Uh, Mayor, I can't remember his last name, his first name. His last name is, is Koch. He was the mayor of New York City. Hmm. And he made a quote that I will never forget. He said, what you subsidize, you get more of. What you subsidize, you get more of. He said, if you subsidize good, you get more good. You subsidize evil, you get more evil. You subsidize bad behavior, you get bad behavior. So I learned from that when my children did good, we subsidized. So it was, we, we were a talkative family. We love to bring big words to the table. So if you brought a big word to the table, even if you used it wrongly, we celebrated that you were out listening for big words. Mm -hmm. You were out trying to find, you were working actively to increase your vocabulary. Gotcha. So. It, you brought, you know, if my son who was three said, mom, I perspirated today. Oh my gosh, listen to that. Perspirate, four syllables. You used a four syllable word. Fantastic, what made you perspirate? And then he'd be, I don't know. Okay, let's talk about what it means to perspire. Hmm. 
Now, when we define perspire and you know what that means, now if I ask you what made you perspirate, what made you perspirate? Mm. I was out running outside with my friends and the sun was hot. Perfect. Yeah. And celebrating that word from now on, every time we have dinner, mm. he's bringing a new word to the conversation. Nice. His brothers are bringing new words to the conversation. And we are in a, in a way that works for them, increasing their vocabulary. So now when they go into kindergarten, they're going in at a second, third grade vocabulary. Hmm. And it was as simple as playing a game, bringing more words to the table. True. So what I would say to parents, and this is single parents or regular parents, but single parents get help. <laughs> get help. If somebody says, you know what, if you need some time off, send the kids over to me. Do not say, yeah, yeah, I got you. Say, can I bring them by Friday night at six? <laughs> True. Yeah. Be, be serious about this thing. Be, if they say, yeah, I'll take care of the kids Saturday night at seven. What time, you know, I'll bring over some food. I'll pick them up Sunday afternoon at two. <laughs> <laughs> So true, so true, yes. Take advantage of the help. Because when you don't have a partner, you don't have anyone you can leave them with so that you can practice self-care. Yes. And that's something I learned on the other side of my divorce is that if I'm not caring for me, it becomes impossible to properly care for them. 100% so true, 100% true. So if I may ask, like, why did you get divorced? Was that a bad uh, partition or was that a mutual understanding? <laughs> it was both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How did that go? <laughs> I, used to, I used to say after the divorce that one of us was going to die, so I had to leave. And someone said, don't say, I said, no, you don't understand. Somebody was going to physically, somebody had already emotionally died. And now that emotional death was going to be followed by a physical death if we didn't separate. Hmm. Um, it was not a good divorce. It was not a pleasant experience. I divorced due to emotional and verbal abuse that was followed by a major betrayal. I found out in the course of the marriage that my ex was actually tearing down my reputation among my friends. Hmm. So when you find out that the person that, you know, is going to be in your corner for life is actually spreading lies about you hmm. and telling the people that you know that, that you two have in common, all kinds of things that are not true about you in order to make them feel bad about you. That, that's a mind blower. Yes. yes. That, that was, it was a devastating, devastating realization. Of course, of course. So what are your kids? I mean, is, is your husband part of your life still or part of yes. your life? He's part of his children's lives. Okay. okay. I'm at a point now where I've, I've forgiven I've forgiven all of that stuff, uh, but I teach, when I teach on dealing with betrayal and dealing with that kind of trauma, one of the lessons that I love to teach people is that forgiveness and access are two different things. I have forgiven him for, and I pray that he's forgiven me for whatever, sh what the share that I had in the story, because there are two sides, there are three sides to every story, mine, his, and the truth. Actually, truth. <laughs> And somewhere in between mine and his lays, lies the truth. Um, but in forgiving him, I've given up the right to get, to, to get even. I'm not retaliating against him any longer. But I have not given him the level of access that he had when we were married. 
Yes, of course. And he will not get that level of access because he's no longer married to me. So we still talk. We call each other on birthdays. We call each other on uh, major holidays. We call each other just to check. I may say, you know what? I was thinking about you the other day. I was remembering the road trip that we took with the kids to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that road trip because we had a lot of fun. We mm -hmm. ended up in Canada and had to drive eight hours to get to Syracuse. Okay. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't get directions. <laughs> but it was a great, we, we had, it was a fun road trip. We have some good memories around it. We talk a little bit about that, about what his plans are. He's planning on retiring. He let me know that because he covers my insurance through his job. So we have a very amicable relationship now. So when you, it is interesting when you talk about forgiving, I might have asked this question to other uh, guests as well. What is forgiving in your sense? Great question. Great question. To forgive is simply to release. And what you are releasing, you're releasing the offense itself. You're releasing what was done to you. You're releasing the offender and you are releasing yourself. And in that, you are literally sending away your right to get even. The, bib the biblical, and I have to go to the Bible on this one, the biblical definition is simply to send away, to sure. send it away. I'm not going to hold it in myself. I'm not going to rehearse it with everybody I know. And when it comes to my remembrance, I'm going to tell myself, I released that. Sure. I left that person to, you can call you can say I left them to God. I left them to the universe. I left them to karma. Hmm. but I gave up my right to get even hmm. Hmm. and I let that go. And it's not that I'm condoning. A lot of people, when they hear that, their immediate response is, so, so you're letting them get away with it. So you're, you're acting like it didn't even happen. No, I'm hmm. acknowledging that it happened. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging how I felt in the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging how I feel right now. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that it is not my job to pay them back. I can't spend my life trying to figure out how to pay them back. Hmm. I won't be able to be just. I may go overboard. I may go underboard. If I leave them to themselves, if I leave them to God, I leave them to the atmosphere, I leave them to whatever it is, whoever you want to call it, I leave them to karma. Hmm. I trust that justice is going to happen, but hmm. I'm not the one to exact it. And I'm going to take what I will do is relieve myself of the pain by not sitting around trying to figure out, okay, if they do this, then I can do that. And if they do that, then I can do this. And you end up spending your entire life trying to figure out how to, you know, point counterpoint that person. And that person is going on about their life. Unforgiveness, and I love this, this phrase, unforgiveness is the poison we prepare for someone else and then drink ourselves. Yes. That I, love. So I, I can't poison me with that person. That person did what they did for whatever reasons. At the moment, they thought it was right. It was wrong for me, but they thought it was right. They did it for whatever reasons they did it. I'm going to let them roll on and handle that. Mm. I'm going to go on living my life because whatever they did didn't kill me. Mm. <laughs> so I'm still here. Whatever they tried to do, it didn't destroy me. I'm still here. Whatever they did, whatever it was they tried to do to do damage to me, guess what? The wounds healed. Yes. I'm still here. So, so say it as like you accepted and you moved on. I moved on. 
So that that is what you are feeling like. Yes, I have forgiven him, or like I, I've forgiven the entire scenario, and I moved on already. And I've moved on, and he's moved on. I've moved on, and every now and then, in our moved on states, we run into each other. But when we run into each other now, there's no animosity. Hmm. Yes. There's no anger. There's no hurt. Yes. There's no undealt with emotions. It's hey, how you doing? I hope your day is good. Let's just say there will be a scenario that he will behave some kind of a bad way in, in whatever the scenario. I don't want to use this word, but I, I don't find any other syllable there for, let's just say he's pissing you off for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, you're so angry for it. At that time, how do you actually deal with that kind of a situation? I don't give him enough access to do that. <laughs> in, order, in order to do that, he's gotta have a level of access I've got to care enough about him to let him get that close. That won't happen. Unless he does, unless he touches one of my children in a way that my child can't defend himself. And all my children are grown. Hmm. Um, so if he does anything to them, I, God help him. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, will, they will handle business on their own. But I don't give him that level of access. If he begins to go in a direction, if we're talking and he begins to go in a direction that I know is not a good direction, mm. I end the conversation. Mm. I'm not, yes. not obligated to maintain that conversation. So I can say, you know what? I hope you have a good day. I will holler at you later. Click. That's what I wanted to understand. Yes, you end the conversation and move on. You don't want to give too much of access, too much of information, and still engage with that conversation where it leads to a bigger unnecessary right. job. Yes. Yeah. We, don't, we don't give it the opportunity. We don't entertain it going in a negative direction. And he knows that, so now he knows. The first two or three times he tried, hmm. hey, good to talk to you again. Take care. God bless you. Bye. Click. <laughs> okay. okay. We get another, hey, you know, uh, good, good to hear from you. God bless you. Goodbye. Click. Hmm. You do that three or four times, they get the message. The next phone call is totally different. Hey, I'm just checking on you. How you doing? That's nice. And that's it. We talked in 15 minutes. Um, my Our youngest son lives with me. Hmm. So he will call and ask how that, you know, what's going on with that son? How is he doing? Does he need any assistance? Hmm. That kind of thing. And we roll on. Do you share the kids with both of you? Like both of you have custody of your children? Well, they're all adults now, so there's no custody on any side. The youngest is 25. He's oh, living with okay. because he's in the Navy and he's on. He's not on deployment right now. So you have been divorced how long? 14 years. So your kids at that time will be like little, right? So yeah, they were 10. And if I remember right, the two youngest were 10 and 12. The two oldest were already grown, but the okay. two youngest were 10 and 12. Even with those 10 and 12 old kids, do you have the custody uh, problems with? We actually lived down the, up on the same street. I lived at the north oh. end. He lived at the south end. Okay. So the kids could run back and forth between the houses. We had an agreement. I had them during the week. He had them on the weekends. And then he got them every other weekend. When we first separated, he wanted them every weekend. So I sent them every weekend. <laughs> mm. and then about a year and a half into it, he said, uh, you know what? Um, Having the kids every weekend is kind of hard. I said, welcome to my world. I have them every week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can, I, can I have them every other weekend? You can have whatever calendar works for you because they're my kids. I'm going to take care of them regardless. Okay. So he went to every other weekend. Then it got to be, 
he would call during the week and he'd say, Cass, I'm about to go out to a restaurant. Can I take the kids to dinner? And I, hey, kids, go with your dad. He's taking you out to eat. And so we really went into joint custody. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, coming back to the single parenting part, you were mentioning like, yeah, you celebrate small things with kids. What other kind of practices do you think that would really help kids to have that kind of open environment with the parents, to have that kind of a love that is shown to them? Conversation, conversation, conversation. Talk about anything, talk about everything. If you let them talk to you when they are young, hmm. they will talk to you when they get old because you've established that they can come to you with any conversation. One of my, one of my best moments when you, sit down and remember your children growing up. One of my best moments was my son telling me, the son who's a pilot, telling me that his friends never spent time talking to their parents. And he said he was shocked because we talk every day. Yes. And he'd, he'd say, they, they looked at me and they said, you tell your mom everything? He says, I tell my mom everything. What do you mean you tell your mom everything? He says, I tell her everything. We can talk about anything. I can ask her any question. I can bring up any topic. Whatever I want to talk about, that's what she wants to hear. And they were like, man, I can't imagine talking to my mom that much. He said, I can't imagine not talking to my mom that much. That's so true. So true. Yeah. I'm yeah. hearing like, yeah, my son telling about our conversation to the other kids. Even yeah. I let him talk about everything and anything. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. I did my best to send one, to send a very clear message to them when they were young. And that is, you can say anything to me. You can tell me you don't like the way I'm parenting you. Mm. So you can tell me anything as long as you do it in a respectful manner we can have a conversation I can handle whatever you want to tell me mm. you're not allowed to scream at me you're not allowed to swear at me yes. you're not allowed to call me by my first name yes. you're not allowed to speak in an angry an angry tone mm. Mm. So you we will maintain respect and the reason I was able to say that to them and require that of them is that I didn't do it to them yes I didn't raise my voice. We don't scream. I didn't, if I was angry, I would settle down and then come back and talk to them. Once the anger, the emotion had calmed down, we could come back and have a conversation. I never swear at them, never call them out of their names. So your name for me is mom. <laughs> my name for you is the name I gave you when you were born. Or, you know, or I'm going to call you son or love or my favorite was I would number them. So it'd be son of my heart, number 563,002. <laughs> and it was whatever number, I'm serious. Whatever number came out, that was the number. <laughs> Ask them, I did, I did. Cause they would be either love of my life, son of my heart, something like that. One day I found out, this is the other thing I will tell parents is believe it or not, no matter how much they act like they're not listening, they're listening. Yes. Be careful what you say. Even when they act like they are not listening, they're not paying attention, they are. And I'll tell you how I found out. I found out from my, my third son, it was one day, he, he called me and I said, yes, yeah, son of my love, number 14,300, whatever. Well, he called me again. And this time I said, yes, son of my heart, number 82,300. And he looked at me and went, what did I do? And I went, what do you mean? What did? He said, what, what did I do? When you called me, you asked me to do something, I did it. When you said, I did it. What did I do? Why are you upset with me? I said, baby, I'm not upset with you. What makes you think I'm upset with you? Hmm. He said, when I called you the first time, I was number 14,000 and something. 
when I called you just now, I'm 82,000. Why did I go so far back? <laughs> okay. So, that day taught me to always make the numbers get closer to one. <laughs> Whatever number I started out with, we got closer to one. We never got further away because I had to look at him and say, son, I'm just calling numbers. I have no idea what the numbers are. I don't care. You're the son of my love. That's the most important thing. You're the son of my heart. That's the most important thing. The number is just to be corny. Hmm. And he said, and, and he literally went, whew, okay. And then we had our conversation. Hmm. But that taught me that whatever I, even when they're, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they're listening. Yes. yes. They're listening. So be careful what you say, because they are absorbing it all. Hmm. One question, uh, another question I can then ask one, one question. So when you're having this hardship with uh, being a single parent, support is one thing that everybody always needs. So as you mentioned, like if somebody wants to help you, just give them a time and day. <laughs> yeah, you go set a date, get your calendar out. <laughs> yeah, what time you want to do it? That's so good, actually. What, what other kind of support or uh, help that you were in need and who actually helped you? Was there anybody to help you? I was very blessed. I had two very good friends and they each had children. So we, we formed, the kids called us the three musketeers or the three caballeros because the three of us were always together and our kids were always together. So mm -hmm. if I needed a babysitter, I automatically knew I could call the two of them okay. and either one of them would do it. Oh, okay. We would plan on doing outings. We would, uh, Columbus Day is coming up. We would go apple picking. And I recommend that, plan family activities. Mm. Even as a single mother, partner up, with, partner up with another person. And the two of you take your children out as a family. And mm. we would take all of our kids. And between us, there were three, two, five, eight, nine children between the three of us. Because mm. I had three, my other friend had two. And the other one had five, she had five girls. I had two boys and the other one had um, a boy and a girl. Mm. So, but we would, we, I drove a minivan and we would pile all the kids up into the two minivans and we would head out. We'd go apple picking. We'd go to a corn maze. You know, we'd, we'd go bowling, mm. Mm. go and do things together. But when I had late nights, I, I was a commission only salesperson. So if I knew I was going to be coming in late and the kids needed to eat, I could call my friend who lived down the street and say, will you feed the kids for me tonight? Mm. Will you, you cover the kids? So for a lot of time, it was, where are we having dinner? We're having dinner over at Miss Kiwana's. And her kids would say, where are we having dinner? We're going over to Auntie Cass. And we would bounce back and forth like that. So that was a big help. Amazing. Nice, nice to have such kind of a people around. It was great to have them. And, um, yeah, that was fantastic. We spent holidays together. We hung out together. We were there for emotional support for one another. Um, and then she moved and I had to figure out, I had to get another emotional support person and somebody else who could help me. Um, one of the ideas I will give to single mothers and single fathers, this is, this is to single parents at Christmas time. In our family, I was the one who wrapped all of the Christmas gifts. So every year at Christmas, I would get gifts that were still in the bag, still had the tags on them, <laughs> and they would come out because I was the one who wrapped the gifts. Nobody else could figure out how to wrap a gift. So Christmas Day, I wouldn't have anything under the tree. Stuff would just start coming out of people's bedrooms. Oh, here, mommy. 
here's a bag. Here's, you know, I got this for you. The, the receipt is still in the bag. The price is still on the item. I said, I'm never going to have that again. I went and got a debit card, a prepaid debit card. I gave it to my friend with mm -hmm. a list of what I wanted mm -hmm. and gave her my sons and said, take them to the mall and Christmas shop for me. Mm. Nice. So when we got to the Christmas tree, I had wrapped gifts waiting on me Christmas morning, just like my children. Mm. And whoever got to play Santa that year would be, ah, this is for mom from Santa. And mom would be like, yay, this is for mom from Santa, yay. This is from mom from Santa. Mom did good this year, didn't she? Nice. <laughs> so to the single parents, that's an idea for Christmas because you will get forgotten at Christmas if you don't make a plan to make sure that you're remembered at Christmas. Hmm. So get a prepaid card, load it up with whatever your budget for yourself is, send your kids with a friend. I gave her, I want perfume, here are the perfumes that I like. Hmm. And they could get me any two of those perfumes, each one would choose one. Hmm. These are the books that I'd like. Hmm. Any two of these books, this is, jewelry was always on the list. I love jewelry. So I need sets. Don't give me a necklace. Give me a necklace that has matching earrings because I don't do pairing up well. Um, it would, and I would say literally, this is, this is the music that I want. Who are the artists that I like to listen to? Hmm. And they could go and get me two CDs. So by the time we were done, I had gifts under the tree. Hmm. And the kids had gifts under the tree, so I didn't feel left out. And I wasn't getting stuff out of people's bedrooms, in the bag, with the tag still sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> While they were getting to unwrap boxes and scream in delight. Got you, got you. So in the groups that you are actually talking or preaching or like telling other people about what they need to do or like you sharing your story, so if somebody asks you about like, what is the single parenting about or like, how can they help if they are just getting started with single parenting, how would you actually like describe that journey and how, what are all the points that you wanted them to take care of? Ooh, all the points, there's a whole lot in there. We don't, how long is this, this, this meeting? How much how time do we have? You can, how much ever that you can cover. <laughs> if, they, if they tell me they're, they're just becoming a single parent, the first, first thing I tell them is it's the most, is the most it's the toughest job in the universe and the most rewarding. Hmm. So first, it's going to be the toughest thing you've ever had to do, but it will be the most rewarding thing that you have to do. Commit yourself to what your standards are and remember that a lot of what you want them to learn will be caught more than taught. They are going to learn what you do more than what you say. Hmm. So I did, I know I just said they're always listening, they are, but they are also watching. Hmm. And they are listening and watching for congruence. They want to make sure that what is coming out of your mouth matches your behavior. So you can't say to them, don't swear while you swear. Yes. You can't say don't smoke while you smoke. Yeah. So that's one is just to remember that they are listening and watching and they are perceiving their recorders. Hmm. They are recording everything mentally, emotionally, physically. They are catching it all. Hmm. So you can't tell them to have a good diet while you're, you know, drinking fizzy drinks or sodas and eating potato chips, but you want them to eat vegetables and meats. Yep. 
not going to work. You have to eat vegetables and meats to get them to like vegetables and meats. So that's the first one. Remember that they're watching, they're recording, they are watching, and they are learning. They're going to become the adult that you are because you are their model for what an adult looks like. Yes. Second, talk to them about everything in a way that they can get it. Because hmm. your life is going to be impacted by your circumstances. If you can't, if you go to the store and they're asking you to buy the cakes and the candies, you walk in saying, we're not buying cakes and candies, we're grocery shopping. When they say, why can't we have cakes and candy? Well, cake and candy is not good for you. We can have some cake, we can have some candy, but that's not all that we're going to put into the shopping cart. Give them a legitimate reason for why you're making the decisions that you're making. Teach mm. them how to think. Mm. Baby, if all we buy is cakes, cookies, and soda, what are we going to do for good food when you get hungry? That's snacks. You can't eat snacks all day. Yeah. So we have to have balance. So now we're having a discussion about balance in life through the shopping cart. Yes. Yes. So you take, you, you remember that every moment is a teachable moment. You don't have to teach every moment, but every moment can be a teachable moment. Every major incident, something I learned from a man named James Dobson, loved him, followed whatever he said, do, I did. So a lot of my parenting theories or parenting practices came from him. One of his um, practices was whenever you see anything, speak on it. Because your children will get their values of right and wrong from you. So if you think it's right, praise it. If you think it's wrong, say speak badly of it and explain to them how you arrived at your decision. Hmm. So for us, um, we use the Bible as our standard. Hmm. So I would say what, we, what you just saw, did you see that child misbehaving? Did you see how that child behaved in the store and how they spoke to their parent? And the kids will go, yeah, what would happen to you if you did that with me? And they went, I don't even want to think about it. I believe in corporal punishment. Some people don't. I did. But I did for only the most severe infractions. Yes. Disrespect was a severe infraction. Hmm. So I'd say, why do we not? Why are you not allowed to treat me like that? Hmm. Well, second commandment, honor your father and mother. Hmm. So that the days, so that your days will be long in the land that God has given you. Yep. So I would say the Bible teaches, what's the commandment? Honor your mother and father. Mm. Why? So that I can have a good long life. There you go. Honoring me gives you a good life. Mm. So you're going to be required to honor me. That's the standard. Mm. And I don't dishonor you. Do I yell and scream at you? Do I call you names? No, you don't do that, mom. Okay, so that's not how we treat each other. And mm. then we go into, why do we not treat each other like that? Well, because we love each other. Mm. And people who love each other treat each other with dignity and respect, right? So we have these, these deep conversations, but on a level that they can get. Yeah, yeah. Then the next thing I would say is that there's going to have to be consequences to their actions. Mm. Positive consequences for positive actions. Remember what you subsidize, you get more of. Negative consequences for negative actions. Mm. I'll give you a classic case. I told my friend to go pick up my son from school. Mm. He was having a bad day <clears throat> and he made everybody have a bad day. Mm. I gave him a bad night. She, she went to pick him up and instead of running to the car to get in, he walked as slowly as he could. Mm. And she had to call him two or three times. Come get in the car, we need to go. Come get in the car, we need to go. Just, I'll walk home. 
She called me. I said, boy, I said, get, put the phone, boy, get your body in the car. <laughs> when I got home, I said, I heard that you decided you wanted to take a walk. Let's go walk. Hmm. I got in my van. I said, oh no, I'm not walking. You're walking. I got in my van and I made him walk for, I think he walked for about three miles. Hmm. I made him walk until he apologized. I said, you said you wanted to walk. You will not disrespect my friends who are helping me while I've got to take care of you. You are not allowed to disrespect them. You're not allowed to dishonor them. When they call, when they say, your mom sent me to pick you up and I need to move quickly, so please get into the car. You need to move quickly. Hmm. And that night he started out, he was all mad and angry. Yeah, I walk, I walk, I walk. By the time we got done, he was in tears. I said, now, are we going to ever have this problem again? No, no, no. What are you going to do the next time I send someone to pick you up? I'm going to get in the car real quick. I'm going to get in the car and understand that they have things to do. Thank you. We never had that issue again. Nice. So I tried to be very creative in my discipline, especially when they got bigger. Hmm. When they're little, I believe, I'm, I, I believe in spanking when they're really little. Because hmm. hmm. you can't reason with a three-year-old. Yes. But a couple of taps on the legs and they get they literally get understanding real quick. But when they get seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and they hit puberty, I'm not I, I'm not gonna beat up on you. I'm going to get creative. One of my other ways, especially since we're now in the age of technical devices, when my sons were little game game boys, the little handheld game devices, mm -hmm. they were first coming out. Yes. And it was the latest rage. Everybody had one. Well, when my kids did something that they knew was wrong, I would look at them and put my hand out. Hmm. I'd say, give it to me. When do I get it back? You get it back when I forget why I took it from you. <laughs> I like that one. When I forget <laughs> why I took it from you. Nice. Oh, it worked. It worked. They would ask me two or three weeks later, mom, can I have my Game Boy back? Nope. Why? Because I, I remember I took it because you did X. You're still on punishment. Six, usually it took me about six weeks to forget. Usually around the sixth or seventh week, they'd come back, mom, can I have my toy? I'd be like, I took your toy? And they go, yes. And I said, what did you do? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting my toy back. <laughs> so whatever it was, they typically did not do it again. And I would let them get it because after they did that, then I would remember. They didn't know it would trigger but it had been six weeks. So sufficient, they had to do something else. They didn't have it. They missed the latest game launch. So they dance and go get it back. And I'd say, whatever it was that I took it for, you're not gonna do it again, are you? No, ma'am, we're good. Lesson learned. Hmm. So to those parents, I would say be creative, especially if you don't believe in corporal punishment, then you must be really creative. I said, allow the punishment to fit the crime. Think about what they've done, the lesson you want to teach them, and allow the punishment to teach that lesson. So for the children who forgot to do their chores, hmm. you have a hope of doing that chore. If it was being shared amongst the other kids, they have just gotten a vacation. You're hmm. taking that chore for a week. If you had dishes and you went to sleep without cleaning the kitchen, you get to clean the kitchen for the entire week hmm. as a hmm. reminder that you need to clean the kitchen. And your brothers and sisters will be rejoicing because you will be doing their work. Hmm. Hmm. So be creative. Think about, you know, be creative with your punishments. Make them memorable. 
And then when they become adults, you'll sit back and listen to some wonderful stories and you'll go, did I do that? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah you did that. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't that mean. And they'll go, yes, you were. And then you'll say, yeah, but what kind of an adult did it make you? Yes. And they'll say, I'm able to hold down a job. I'm able to do laundry and to take care of myself. I'm able to handle my money properly. I say, yes, it worked. Yes. yes. It worked. And all, that, all lessons work. Yeah. There's a, there's a verse in Proverbs that says your children, one day your children will rise up and call you blessed. And that's one of those moments when they, they my, my son called and uh, he was on his way to college. And he said, mom, I realize why you were so hard on us. I said, well, he said, you were hard. You were hard on us. He said, but I see the benefit now because I'm going to college. And when I get done with college, I'm going to be a professional pilot. Mm. So these other kids out here, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. He said, but I'm because of you, I'm in a position to live my dream. Amazing. Amazing. That, <laughs> that, that is like a big. That, big that's thing. why I say it's the most rewarding job. You get Amazing. that it's the most rewarding job. When my youngest son said, mom, you need to write a book on how you raised us. Because very few women can raise four men. And they are all men, independent thinkers, uh, self and they are employed, self-sustaining. And I tell people, I've got four adult sons and no baby mama drama, no baby daddy trauma. The reason why I picked you up and wanted to actually like steer our conversation in the line of you being a single mother is the same reason. Ah. It's not easy to have, to be a single mom in the first place and to have four men raising in the same place and mm -hmm. having them like well-established people in the society today, well-respected, well-settled, mm -hmm. you are amazing. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I've you been, did it. And I did, yep. <laughs> 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 Try not to wrench my, my arm, pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely you did good, you did amazing. I, I tried to learn, the, 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 the other lesson is read listen, learn, try stuff. If it doesn't work, try something different because hmm. hmm. I can make a recommendation. It may or may not work in your house. If it doesn't work, move on to something else. Yep. Be open, be creative. Um, try to do old things in a new way. Hmm. Yep. So it, 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 it works. But if you maintain those, those doors of communication, I'd I really, I told my kids at every stage, whatever you need to tell me, you can tell me, hmm. including you don't like the job I'm doing as your mother. I'm good with that because goodness knows I'm not perfect. And there's probably some areas in my parenting where it should be tweaked. Hmm. Tell me with respect, with dignity, honoring my position as your mom. Hmm. And we're good. Hmm. I would tell my children that they didn't live one, one day. One of them said, this is a democracy. I said, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh no it's not you are so wrong <laughs> and of course his eyes were what do you mean I said this is a divine mamocracy <laughs> he said what is a divine mamocracy I said I'm the mother I make the rules I pay the bills so it's a mamocracy I love, I love that I'm going to start using it with myself <laughs> it's, divine. it's divine because God made it that way God gave you to me. He gave me to you. So I didn't ask for you to be my kid. You didn't ask for me to be your mom. God set that up. That makes it divine. 
mymocracy because I run the show. You do get a vote, but the final decision is mine. <laughs> so you live in a divine mimocracy. <laughs> and they'd be, I'd say, well, at least it's not a dictatorship. You do have a say. You know, here's your say. On Friday night, we can have pizzas or subs. There's your choice. <laughs> I've determined here's the limits. Now you make your choice within those limits. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.